The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. One. All right, welcome to a special, special edition of the Saints Happy Hour Patron Spotlight. Uh, this week, this month, we are joined by uh, John Murphy, and John is actually he qualified for the Saints Drunk History episode, where if you if you donate at the twenty-five dollar tier and you donate for four months, you get in the raffle to win the Drunk History. John was in the raffle, he won, but he was like, I don't necessarily want to do a Drunk History, and I was like, John. You gotta come on, because John was sit really sad, like a lot of us were after the NFC Championship game. He's like, I can't do it. I was like, John, you are one of our. This we love all of our patrons, but we love the twenty-five dollar a month people more. I was like, John, when you get over it, you've got to come on and chat with us. So, John, you are here uh, to talk about your experience of being a fan and that sort of thing. I am. I am. Yeah. It, it took me a while to get over. Yeah, I was there at the game. Yeah, it took me a little bit to get over. Yeah, it was tough. Well, I want you to tell the story that you were starting to tell me before we actually started recording. John had a Disney World trip <laughs> planned, and you had to watch the Saints-Eagles at a Disney bar surrounded Ugh. by Eagles fans. One of the craziest things I've ever done. All right, so my family and I had planned a trip to Disney, um, and we were down there. I'm a season ticket holder, sitting 112. Um, we get to go to Disney. Had a ma- electric week. You know, we had a great time. Um, and I already packed up our entire family's gear, everything we had. And uh, I said, all right, well, we got to find a bar to watch the game at. Because there's nothing – I mean, there's nobody that's going to play the game just to – Magic Kingdom, you're not going to go eat hot dogs. Were you at Orlando or California, Disney World? Orlando. Okay. Orlando. Yeah, so we we all there were 10 of us down there and my brother-in-law is a Patriots fan. So this is icing on the cake. He's a Patriot. He's been here multiple times. So we end up going get the kids home, we all get settled settled at a, what they call a bar. Um it was really just a bowling alley. We set up there and we there are at this point six Saints fans and an entire bowling alley full of Eagles fans. And if everybody can remember, the game didn't start off too hot. No, it was bad. It was, <laughs> it was as bad a start as you could. It was like it, the Eagles game was like if you sat and you like drew up the scenario for the bad start, you'd be like, Well, the first play the Saints would have a turnover, check. The first drive for the Eagles would go down and score, check. Touchdown, check. The Saints like, would struggle easily. on offense. The Eagles would get ahead 14 to nothing, and the, the dome would be tight. Silent. Check. It's like Silent. every, like, disaster scenario. Oh, and Sheldon Rankins got carted off. Like, it was disaster. The Eagles yeah. game was disaster. Once Sheldon scenario. got carted off, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is really going to happen. So the entire bar, quote-unquote, bar area is 
blowing up with Philly fans. Everybody's, you know, chanting Raven. Finally, we get that pick from Lattimore. And at that point, it kind of changed my mentality. I mean, because I knew the hardest thing was going to be to get to the NFC Championship. All of us that follow the Saints knew that if it's NFC Championship at home or bust, right? That's what it was kind of – everybody was thinking. Yeah. Like, you got to get past the Eagles. you got to get past them. And the, for the first three or 25 minutes, you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. We're about to get blown out. We look terrible. Look pretty bad. Finally, we come out, get that pick, and go forward. And I get so rambunctious in our little bitty crew that the manager tries to kick us out of the Disney bar <laughs> because I'm excited that we're finally turning the tables and Lattimore got that pick. And I said, that's ball game. I said, we're going to go down, drive, whatever. We're better than the Eagles. But it was just a wild scenario having it to be was. I was Disney it World. was euphoric. That stadium, Pete. I mean, in the next week was the polar opposite, right, of the Rams. But walking out of that <sighs> stadium, people were euphoric because when it was down fourteen, and they're down fourteen nothing, it's like you're staring death in the face, and you just we, like you just like that was the like, second best team we've ever had that, you know, that I know that we had. I think it's eleven the best. was our best. I, I think, thought it was. I think. 2018 is the best team they've ever had. I think 2011 is the best offense that the Saints will probably ever have at, during my time on this earth. But that what about team, the NFL? I don't think maybe there's... it's probably like a top three offense in history of the NFL. But I mean, this team was the most complete team. But they walk. I mean, euphoria. But I, I just I, I picture you in Orlando. I picture the guy like like Mickey Mouse in the costume coming in. Like, oh my goodness! I'd ride my kids back. I had to ride my kids back on this little bitty boat back to the place to have somebody watch my kids because I used to be pretty aggressive watching Saints games after Beast Quake and everything in Seattle. I I just learned not to get that worked up over it. But I mean, I was pretty hot over the game. Yeah. You know, I was pretty confident. I I had never really felt like the Saints were back like they were in 2009, like this year, you know, and, and I saw this going down. Once we started getting up, the manager tried to kick all of us Saints fans out of the bar. <laughs> That's and I'm, was the manager and I'm, an Eagle fan? He was from New Jersey. I don't uh, know if he was an Eagle fan. I didn't, I didn't get into it. My dad finally stepped in, uh, was like, listen, we've already spent X, Y, Z. We're not leaving. You're not going to kick us out. We'll calm down. They made us calm down. Yeah. So at that point, you know, I, my wife had had – I'm a season ticket holder, so I didn't get to go to a lot of games. My wife had some medical problems. I'm not going to go into it like Kevin, talk about ball dissection or whatever. <laughs> but it was an interesting thing. It was, it, was, it, was, it was crazy to watch how that game played out. You know, and uh, we got up. I knew we were up. I left, and I just would never want that to happen to anybody. Cause no, I, it was it was an enjoyable. I mean, the Eagles game, because of the way it turned uh, out, it was enjoyable. But the comeback made it, you know, I think 
if you would have flipped it and the Saints would have got up like big and the Eagles would have charged back and the Saints still would have won, I don't think it would have quite been as enjoyable an experience. It was enjoyable to like watch the Saints like have to like grind it out of the dirt to, because but because the, the thing is, I just feel like the Saints were so beat to hell at the end of 2018, and I've said it a bunch of times on the Patron Spotlight, as I feel like I'm par- partially being a therapist for people that no. the Rams game, but I feel like, you know, at the end of the year, all the line, all the offensive line were hurt, the, you know, Kirkwood was out, both both tight ends were injured, you know, after Josh. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Show got the concussion. Like, yeah. Their offense was beat to hell, and I think Drew Brees... I think something was physically wrong with him, and I'm not an arm truther. I do as well. I do as well, I, I, and I'm not I'm not an arm truther either. But something, something was up. Something was so, up. I think something was wrong with him because if you look at him at the end of at the end of the NFC championship game, yep. he yep. looked like a yep. quarterback that I have never seen. He looked scared. He he looked he looked frazzled. He looked like you know what he looked like? He looked like a guy who knew or he he didn't trust his arm anymore. And that the, the basically the throw to Ginn was just a, a YOLO punt. He well, and he bounces the one to Michael Thomas that would have been a touchdown that a throw that he could probably make in his sleep. I just believe Drew Brees something was wrong with him. And in the um, NFC Championship game, he came to a point where he's like, I don't know if I can make these throws. And 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 when as a quarterback, I've never played it, but I can imagine if you start to think that and you're like, can I make this 15 yard out? Can I throw this 20 yard out? Like once you start thinking that you're cooked they had bushrod playing left tackle at some point right yeah. they knew that it didn't work five years previously so there, i mean there was a lot of shuffling i think the problem in my opinion was the offensive line yeah what got them there was that offensive line right oh, totally totally and not so and i think that's why breeze was flustered he he didn't there were a lot of moving pieces in that I mean, yeah. and, and also no, two, no, no, not having Watson and Hill, it cut off a third of the playbook where they couldn't go two tight ends, and where they beat the Rams, 
was outside running in the first game. They did a nice job with it. I mean, they were mm. car. They were they were eight cylinder engine. They were missing three of the cylinders. Yeah, you know? and it and it and still took the ref. It still took the ref, the refs completely screwing them over for the ref to get there. So so, but do you still think though, like that Breeze had lost arm strength at the end of the year? Do you think he just lost? confidence in that offensive I line think, protecting him to get it no, over the I top. think something is I, I look you go back and I went back and I watched him something is wrong with his arm I, 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 I don't know what but I, you look at that throw to Ginn it was like a punt yeah. it took like five seconds to come down dude that he mother just, that that thing was up in the air for at least half an hour it was it was <laughs> when he threw it I was sitting there in 112, completely opposite in the stadium. I was like, ball game. The thing is with that one, right I, when he threw it, I was like, ball game. That's it. I was like, John, when he when Ginn caught that pass, I was like, they're winning. It's just, it's just, it's just divine intervention going. The Saints are gonna win. Like, um, <sighs> but you know, and I hate to go over it because it's just, but but I, I want you because you you said you know you. You, we won't go into it, but your wife has had medical issues. And I, I think the thing that interests me and why I enjoy doing these patron spotlights is I, I like to hear how people become Saints fans. And I really feel like the Internet, for all the things that we talk about that it's bad and it brings horrible people together and they do terrible things, whatever. I feel right. like the Internet, for the Saints, it, it does awesome things and it brings us together. But describe your Saints fandom and when it when you point to it as a kid where you're like, that's yeah. the moment where I knew I was yeah. a Saints fan. So my dad, I mean, I grew up, I'm, I'm from Jackson, Mississippi area. Um, grew up, you know, my grandfather, my dad, and I would always go to Saints games as I was a kid. I didn't think anything of it. I mean, we were terrible, but it was just something to do. So you go to Ole Miss or Mississippi State and you see all that. Or I've always been interested in professional sports so you know I, I went through that and um my family everybody grew- in my family's an Ole Miss graduate by the way except oh. for me. oh well you're lucky <laughs> um I went to Mississippi College for finance I so went to anyway old, well because side note I, Ole Miss used to play games in Jackson so I used to go right to quite a, yeah quite a few, I used to go to quite a few games uh, they would play in Jackson. It was closer, and we would go to. We went to some games in Oxford too. Oxford's but, a yeah. But, but I mean, story. sorry, to Jackson. No, no, no. I mean, Jackson's just Jackson's changed a lot. But anyway, so I grew up. You know, I'd go to the Superdome all the time with my my dad and granddad. You know, a couple times a year. We we were never season ticket holders when I was. You didn't little. need to be back then, though. You could just buy them as you, you bought up to for the- like five dollars. Like, hey, yeah. we got tickets to the game. Um. So, interesting part, fast forward years and years and years, um, I hate to bring up Katrina, and I I, I hate to do it, but um, I was going through a lot of turmoil in our family's life, a lot of other stuff going on, and uh, I just kind of latched on. You know, the Saints came to Jackson, uh, they brought in Sean Payton. Something yeah. seen, it just felt different. Something felt different about the team. It, it, there was something that was exciting again that kind of blew up in the Southeast with the Saints. Yeah. You know, Sean Payton coming in was a big deal. And then, you know, they took a chance on Drew 
was which was a huge contract for them. I mean, yeah, people don't look at it. People don't realize it back then, but it really was the the Drew Brees signing was it was kind of a little risk because the Saints could have got out of it after one year. They know they they paid him. They basically paid Drew Brees a one year, ten million dollar deal, and he would get a twelve million dollar bonus in 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 March of twenty. 2007, right? But the thing that that was, was basically if Drew Brees would have been, the only way that the Saints were going to hit eject on that deal was if Drew Brees would have been physically unable to play or he'd have been terrible, which you knew by his record, if he was physically able, he wasn't going to be terrible. So the Saints were basically going to say, hey, we're not taking Leinart, we're not taking Vince Young, and we're moving along. Because you knew that even if Drew Brees would have been like mediocre, the Saints would have been locked into him for at least a couple of years. So it was a risk. It was a more of a risk than I think people realized at the time. But the combination of Brees and Reggie Bush just ignited Saints fans and excitement. Man, that it nothing, was so exciting. Done. At the, yeah, at that time, I moved out to Los Angeles. And so I was around and lived at a place, you know, Reggie Bush lived close to where I was staying and some of the other players were around, you know, I'm not saying that I knew him. I'd say I talked to him, but I mean, it, it was like a buzz in the air about the saints, even in Los Angeles. I mean, I lived, I lived in orange County in 2006 and 2007, orange County, California. And I right. can tell you the, the excitement I had for Reggie Bush was probably even more so than in new Orleans because USC at that time Ran Los Angeles because oh, because the Lakers doubt. the the Lakers were sort of in the transition they 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 had they had they they were they had Shaq and Kobe had broken up and they hadn't quite figured yep. it out with Paul Gasol where they would bring Phil Jackson back and they would win a couple more times. They were still a little bit of ways away from that. So man, in two thousand three, four, five, six, seven, USC, they was ran that the town, king. man. That it was, was the, the king, thing. man. It was and the Reggie, king. I mean, yeah, Reggie was the man. Like he ran everything. And you, I mean, you thought he was P Diddy. I mean, when I the day that they announced. I think it was the either the day before or the day of. No, it was the, it was the day before they announced that the Texans had reached a deal with Mario Williams, and I <laughs> shit you not, John. I watched Reggie Bush YouTube highlights probably ten hours on, on Friday and ten hours on Saturday during and after they picked him, like. It was just, it Who was just like have? football heroin, man. Have? It was just like injected into my veins. It was crack. Like, it was. I mean, I mean, you, you could were... watch him from ten, you know, tenth grade to USC. He's breaking people's ankles left and right. And Google, if you are listening to this, Google USC Fresno State two thousand five. Is that the is that the play where he cuts it from? Yeah, he had the, like five hundred fifty total yards. Like it, he cuts it from it, the hat or from yeah. the boundary line all the way across the field, and then just jet streams it up at a four three. It was just, just wild. 
It's just, I mean, Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush was really good and fun for the Saints, and I don't regret that pick at all. He was great. The Saints needed him. He was needed, and he was a boost and all that. But Reggie in college was just, I mean, I would say in my experience, Reggie and Bo Jackson are the two players that I, in my lifetime, saw in college that were just on another level. Werfel was that way too, but Werfel was sort of that way because Steve Spurrier had built this offense of of good players, and, and Steve Spurrier basically at that time was running the fun and gun, and he was like, he was like a dude that had a cell phone while everybody else didn't. So he was like five years ahead of everyone. So Werfel, he did amazing things, but you were never like, oh my God, Werfel is this physical specimen. Florida was just right. like, it was yeah. like watching, it was like watching color television for the first time, I guess, you know? <laughs> um, right? So, uh, you know, or, yeah, like the, and- or like the first time somebody handed you an iPhone and you're like, oh my, you can look at the internet on your, what the hell is this, you know? That's how Florida Somebody was with Werfel. Somebody sent me a picture. Yeah, and that's how <laughs> USC was at that time. It was. And Reggie Bush was the forefront of it. And yeah. he falls to the Saints there, and it just electrified. Like, so for my history, I was still in Los Angeles at the time. Reggie Bush gets picked up by the Saints. I'm yeah. Mississippi. Nobody's from Mississippi in Los I mean, there are very few people from Mississippi in Los Angeles. There ain't a lot of us. And I just remember being like, yeah. I'm going to stick with it. I mean, I I feel like there's something there with the Saints that I can rebound on and, and kind of feel with it. And I just stuck on with it, man. And I yeah. I trusted it. I, I trusted it. I mean, I was there at, you know, Jackson training camps at Bellhaven and all the other stuff. You know, all the just craziness the Saints organization had to go through. Yeah, and look, you know, the Saints, through this stretch, even when it's dipped down and they haven't won, like it's still, it was, you know, in 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 fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen when they were in the seven uh, nine, you know, sadness loop. It still uh, wasn't. It, it wasn't. It wasn't uninteresting because Drew Brees was still at the peak of his powers, and he could drag the. He, it, was, was just it was like maddening. I'm gonna drag these terrible defenses to seven wins. So it was still interesting, right? It was frustrating, but it wasn't like a sadness of like the Browns or like Buffalo. Or the Raiders, you know, it wasn't. It didn't have a. It wasn't a sadness, hopelessness to it. It was like, can we, can we get it fixed before can it's we, too late? You're exactly right. Like I think everybody, and I, I can't speak for it, but I think everybody was like, what about that championship? Like, where did that team go? What happened to that team that we thought was going to be able to do it for at least get one more chip? I mean, they've with they've a, had. The, the Saints in, in the Sean Payton era, 2009, 2011, 2017, and 2018, to me, are the, the, are the, are the four teams that they had that legitimately could have won a Super Bowl. And I know 2006, they got to the NFC Championship game. but That, that team, team wasn't ready. They that, weren't team, ready. That, that, that year, the NFC was such trash. You know, like the, if you if you put the 2017, 2018, 2011 Saints to 2006, they would have gone 13 and three and won a Super Bowl. Like because 
that Chicago, they, they would have run that Chicago team. I think they'd have gone to Chicago and run that Chicago team out of the yeah. Soldier Field. But it, because the NFC was yeah. just so bad. But I mean, they've had four legitimate shots to win a title. They won one. They got screwed out of another. And a, but at what a weird, point do we freakish just... play against Minnesota cost them a shot at the other? San Francisco, their defense was just trash, and they couldn't cover Vernon Davis. You know. Mm. <laughs> 2011. So, uh, I think that's the most painful thing. As a Saints fan, yeah, the non-call this year was bad. It's the missed tackle. The missed tackle in Minnesota was bad, but but, it, but, but, you, but you couldn't you couldn't say you, you didn't feel cheated. You were just like, I can't. Believe that hurts. It's, just, it's it like hurt. it was like it was a hail mary, right? It's just at the end of the game, right. like I I. I don't understand how that happened. It was like this. It was the, the Saints won, but they didn't get to play the next week. You know, and 2011, you're just like you couldn't you couldn't cover Vernon Davis, and you turned the ball over five times in the first half. Like that's what you get. But like the Rams you, game, hold, hold on, hold on, real quick. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that they couldn't cover Vernon Davis, or do you think that it was all because of Greg Williams wouldn't just let Harper? play cover one i think it's i think it's i think it's a little bit of it's a cop out is a little bit of both but they weren't when vernon davis caught the touchdown like they Uh, weren't in a aggressive defense there they just the, the thing is with that team which was weird is that defense it actually once they stopped turning the ball over the defense yeah. had a stretch in that game where it was fine. Well, we had five turnovers that game, yeah. right? But the thing is, at the end of the game, they totally were shook, and they had totally lost their confidence. And they just, but, you know? Mm, it just, it, yeah, yeah, I I think all, I mean, yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, Alex Smith, all of these. The boot, he did the uh, fake boot and ran for like a 30 or touchdown. Like the defense. I forgot about that. I that forgot just, about they, Yeah. He re- like, like, it's not about, people talk about, I don't necessarily believe in momentum. I think momentum is something that we, 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 we say. Unathletic people that aren't. You know, they, we say about momentum to explain something that, that's happened, right? So I don't, I'm right. not a big believer in momentum. But I am a believer in a team losing its confidence and gets shook during the game. And I believe in 2000, 2011, like the Saints defense, like the last six minutes, they were totally shook. They just, they just, they did, they had no confidence and they were just, and, and, and they had no confidence. And Greg Williams, whenever it's crunch time, Greg Williams' solution to everything is blitz usually, right? And it worked out great in 2009, like against the Colts when it was crunch time. They blitzed everybody. Tracy Porter gets the pick. We get a parade. So yeah, he run he runs the same play as he did against Vern. Yeah, you know, right. I mean that's like Greg Williams. Greg Williams. It doesn't matter the question. The salute. The, the answer is blitz. Like, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, that's why he's going to get know? fired up this year. Um, but Cleveland. how did you? How did you? Uh, because there's there's nine thousand. I feel like there. I feel like there's. You know, we were talking before the show. I feel like there's a hundred Saints podcasts now, and there's not as many bloggers. Right? Like like there like there used to be from like 2011 to about 2014. There were phenomenal Saints bloggers. 24. What's that? 
And now it's, it's yeah. you bring it up 2014. They, it's like, oh, of course, everybody dropped off. Then. They, they had Wang. They had Angry Who Dad, who he's. He's still wonder, there. He's. Uh, it's, On he's still Twitter, right. at least. He's no, well, I don't know if he right. I've but, met him in real life. He is Dominic is a wonderful person in real life. On Twitter, he is insufferable, and I block him <laughs> because I just I can I just I cannot can, take it. I, can, I he 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 was wonderful. I've tailgated with him multiple times for Saints games in the past, and he's a wonderful, nice guy. But on Twitter, he's just insufferable, so I blocked him. But he used to write. Reed used Reed Gilbert, Wang. They had they had about three, four, five bloggers that I would say were at times better and funnier writers than me. But the thing is at WWL, I just keep turning them out. You know, I don't yeah. have anywhere to go. I got I gotta write. It's like it's like it's like part of me. Like I gotta write. I gotta write my Saints columns uh, for my own sanity. Yeah, but. But it makes sense, though. I think the thing that's awesome about this podcast and the, the way I found it is I was talking to somebody today because I was like, yeah, I'm going to go talk to a friend of mine I've never even spoken to. <laughs> you know, and I was like, uh, I'm going to talk about some saint stuff. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. But I was, and he was like, how did you get into Twitter? And like, how did you, like I got into y'all's podcast through Twitter Yeah, because when the Bounty Gate stuff broke. It was breaking so fast. It was yeah. there was so much information going through so fast. The, so the, I got on the, Twitter. The Bounty Gate stuff is what made our podcast a year-round enterprise. Like we we discovered that during Bounty Gate, all the other podcasts for the Saints is sort of like taking a break because back then, two thousand Saints podcast, they didn't have as many of them, right? But they didn't like they would be like we go during the year and then. We'll go a little during the draft, and then we'll fire this thing back up in July. Like, what are we going to talk about in the dead spots? Or say, oh, I know what my draft grades are for so-and-so. It's like, motherfucker, you don't have a pod. Like, you you don't have a job doing that. Shut up. So, like, Like, we we started that. The the bounty gate is what made us go every week, and we found that people found us. And I can remember when we did it, Andrew at the time was like, dude, we just need to keep going and it'll just be a habit and people will just stick around and then the season will come and we'll get even more people. We just, we got to do it every week. And I'm like, Andrew, what are we, we going to talk about every week? He's like, it doesn't matter. It's just, we'll just do it and it'll be a habit. And people will say, and he was right. Yeah, because I, I reached out to Andrew before, I mean, like a week or two ago. And I was like, man, like, because I don't do, pod- I have a friend of mine that has an ESPN show. I don't call, like, I don't, I don't talk. I don't talk about my stuff. Like, I just, I listen. I don't want to, because I don't know what I'm talking about, right? So I found you guys and just started listening. Yeah. And started following and started just listening to y'all stuff. And that's why I started donating, because, I mean, y'all are right. As much fun as they play, like that's what sports should be. You're, you don't take it too serious. It's well, fun. I think, I it's a for, fun. I think for us and, 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 you know, I love the Dan Lebertard show. I think it's the best sports right. show there is. And his sports show is basically making fun of sports talk radio, and it's ridiculous. Right. And the thing is, 
that listening to Dan Lebertard the last I listened to him even before he was the main show on ESPN. Like I listened to him when he was in Miami. I found him and would listen on the ticket through there. That's but, funny. Like the thing about but the thing that I, I, I learned from him and it's not that you copy it because you can't copy there you can't copy him, but I think the thing that his show did does that I think that our show tries to do is we want you to connect to us on a personal level and you, and we want you to know Ralph is drinking Dave is doing this and Dave is eating horribly and eating <laughs> too much and Andrew give Dave is ranting and shit. raving and, and, and playing tennis and getting excited about winning his, his tennis club championship because he just beat a 55 year old woman at tennis <laughs> like, like, and, and we want you to know if you I feel like we are open in a way that other podcasts aren't. And the thing that that does is Saints news will happen and people will respond on Twitter asking us, is Andrew all right? Is this okay? Is Dave all right? How are you doing? And they listen to the show because they know or they think they know how we're going to react to certain things that happen. And they want to hear our reaction because they feel like they know us. And so they want to see it. And I think that is one thing that I love about – I love it when they have Saints breaking news or the Saints – when they – like like if they draft somebody with a horrible name this year that I they, they, that people know I, I cannot pronounce. I hope they do. I, ho- I really do hope they do. I, I mean, Within honestly, 15 I minutes after the pick, my little Twitter account with, with 4,000 people, <laughs> I'll have 30 <laughs> notifications – of people sending me gifts and jokes and just giddy to hear me butcher a name come Monday after the draft. Like, and that makes me so happy that people, they like, oh, Jesus, Ralph's not going to be able to get that. And people are already doing it. Like, people are like, I want the Saints to draft this, but I don't even know what he plays, Ralph. I want them to draft him because I know you cannot say the name. Like that that makes me so happy and it feels like we really have we've built a little community that's special that feel that way and, and are, are, are I wouldn't say like invested in the podcast but they they get excited about little things about that, Detail, that have nothing to, like little details that yeah, like, nobody like it has really nothing, it's not a draft grade it's not a covered it's not a 4-3 it's not an under technique it's not a you know it's not good hands it's not good route running it's not the route tree it's we want to listen to Ralph not pronounce these names. Like, it, or, makes me, it makes me so happy. And also saying, like, all right, well, Anumata got drafted. I will never forget. <laughs> I was sitting in the car with my friend driving. I don't know. We were going to play golf or something. And we had the draft on the radio. And he was like, oh, the Saints picked David Anumata. I was like, this is going to be hilarious to watch Ralph pronounce <laughs> Anumata for a while. It's like an inside joke with just Saints yeah, tra- fans that you follow the podcast. He's like, they traded up to draft a guy from Canada? The Canada. I'm like, yeah. Let's played football for like 10 minutes. Like, eh, that might not work out. So, And that's how this draft's probably going to go. So, it's like, oh, who in the heck is it? So, you know, this will probably be this, – this, uh, this, this is all over the map. This, this episode will probably be after the draft. But before we get out of here, John – What's your sort? Obviously, the hope for 2019, I think, for everybody is, is we, f- the Saints, finally get us the Super Bowl that was stolen from us, and maybe Drew Brees can end on a high note. But 
that's our hopes. Mm. But what's your expectations of 2019? What's your real what what's your realistic hope mm. and expectation for it? Uh, um, Atlanta's still dangerous. I I really do believe so. Uh, Matt Ryan's not a bad quarterback. It's gonna be a tough division, but it's still the Saints win. I mean, it, it, they they've loaded up so much on these ghost contracts. Casper is going to be the leading free agency. I think Atlanta. I, I, I'll get into this. We'll get into this. Later. I think Atlanta is teetering on being blown up. I really yep. believe. Yep. I really believe that Atlanta is a is a really bad September away from Dan Quinn getting fired. I really believe that. I think. I think because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Dan Quinn is a defensive coach, John, and Atlanta's defense is terrible. So, you know, it was with, with Sean Payton when they went seven and nine. We never questioned the offense, not a one time. We might complain about the play calling or whatever, but we never questioned at all that Sean Payton. No, we knew what we he just was said Gary Gibbs was terrible. All of us just say, "Oh, Gary Gibbs is terrible." Here's He's the not thing. A coach. Here's the thing. Sean Payton, his thing was offense. So if the Saints oh. were going seven and nine and couldn't score on offense, and the defense was great, we'd have been like, Sean Payton, you're an offensive coordinator. Why are you here? If you can't get this offense fixed, that's your thing, man. If you can't get that fixed, why are you here? And I think that's what's going to happen with Quinn. If the if Atlanta if their defense is really bad again, Atlanta's going to be like, dude, you're a defensive coordinator. Why are you here? And I think there's a chance that they fire him. If they, if it have to start out really, no, they, really bad, it's going to happen it's, soon. He's going, he's the hottest draft. I mean, he's got to be the hottest on the hot seats, right? I mean, he's got to. I mean, he well, I think Super Carolina Bowl. too because they have a new owner. So oh, that's why. I mean, like, I mean, you know this. You and Andrew and all you guys know more than I do. They have signed and built this roster to win this year, right? There's no other way. They have 80-something million dollars in salary cap next year. And everybody's like, oh, that's a lot of money. It's like, well, you have 2016 draft class and 2017 draft class is going to be paid. And you and Andrew covered it about Camaro, like, what do you do? Or Thomas, like, what do you do? Like, do you sign both of them? They're going to have to sign all these guys. So at some point, there's going to be some movement. Well, I don't know who. And, no, and here's the thing, and then and then we'll we'll wrap this up. And I said this on you. Thanks, you know, thanks to everybody. Look, if you if you want to be a, a on the drunk history that John didn't want to do, but we did an extended <laughs> patron spotlight with him, and it's been fan- fantastic. You can donate at five dollar level. You can get in that raffle, or you can donate twenty five dollars for four months. You get your own. You get your own. Uh, episode of Drunk History that we'll do. We'll pick a Saints. We'll pick two Saints topics and, and do it. But, but I want to say, John, you know, the 2017 draft. What it did for the Saints was, it was so phenomenal. It opened up a three-year window: 2017, yep. 2018, and 2019. This is and the last year. This is the last year of it, and it doesn't mean the window. The window doesn't necessarily slam shut. I don't believe because I think they have Bridgewater and they have a lot of a lot of young guys, and I don't think they're going to be bad or whatever. But this is the last year where you get to have 
this loaded roster with all these young guys because starting next year, Rankins, Lattimore, Thomas, Kamara, Cam Jordan's going to want more money. Like they have to make these real yeah, hard and you, decisions. And you, on you guys. guys had and you guys had posted. I mean, the uh, Marcus Lawrence from uh, the Cowboys got a hundred plus million dollar contract. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moves to be made. Yeah. But I think I think the Saints are finally set up to take care of who they want to take care of, right? Yeah. So it's, just, it's going to happen no matter what, but they got to win it this year. Yeah, and that, I mean, it, you know, it's true. They got to win this year. And and the thing is, the thing is for the Saints, they have the, the calls become you can't keep everybody, so the guys you pay have to be the right guys. You know, you they, you know, and and Seattle did it in a way where they sort of paid all their guys and they made the right calls. They let Byron Maxwell leave. They let a couple other guys leave that didn't, it that didn't really work out and they were right. But it's like, it's, it becomes a it becomes a hard call because you can't pay everybody. But John, I just want to thank you again. And I want to thank all the patrons, the $25 people. You're all going to get your drunk history. We're excited. We, we me and Dave came up with a new, exciting way to do drunk history instead of trying to do one topic and try to stretch it out to 30 minutes or an hour we're going to pick two topics and we're just going to do 15 minutes so we're going to do like really micro saints topics like single games or aaron brooks throwing the ball backwards so it's going to be really we're going to have some really cool stuff so Donate, people. Exciting. Donate at the $25 level that you can. If you can't, donate at the $5 or $7 level so you can get the daily show. John, I'm so glad we finally got to get this done. You qualified for this <laughs> December guy. Uh, we appreciate, I appreciate it. it, man. Uh, thanks, again. Thanks, thanks a bunch for uh, giving me a bunch of time on Friday night. For the rest of you, uh, this has been a special extended patron, uh, Saints Happy Hour patron spotlight. Uh, until next time. The bar is closed. Who that?